Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 147 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and today we're going to talk about a bunch of D1 games. Not a lot of really crazy games out there in terms of like big time matchups, but we have Virginia Notre Dame to talk about. We've got Denver and Providence and the return of TD Erlen to talk about, Albany and Stony Brook, and uh, we can keep going on, Villanova, Georgetown, Holy Cross, Army, Robert Morris and Drexel, surprising outcome there. Sean Goldsmith is back and playing well for Mercer, so we'll talk about all that stuff. As always, be sure to like and subscribe. Just hit that like button, subscribe to this channel. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers before the end of the season, and it's going to be close. And then, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com and get yourself swag, t-shirts, and things like that. Support the channel that way. If you're an audio listener, go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor, or you can listen to just the audio version of this anywhere where uh, podcasts are found, and we're going to start putting out more audio-only shows as well during the week. So, all right, let's get into this now. Big game of the day, Virginia and Notre Dame playing at Notre Dame. UVA Notre Dame, they did serious battle in this one. Back and forth, another classic ACC contest for sure. UVA trailed 7-5 to five at the half, partly due to their nine first-half turnovers, but they cleaned things up in the second half. They tied things up at sevens, ended up taking the lead, and then led the bulk of the second half prior to Notre Dame tying things up at the end at 11s with about 324 left. Will York's fifth goal of the game tied things up, but... It was the return of Dox Aitken scoring the game-winning goal with just under a minute after Notre Dame tied it up. He's been quiet all year coming into this game with just six goals and one assist in a bunch of contests because Virginia's played a boatload of games. He ends up going for two goals and two assists against Notre Dame on Saturday and was a big reason UVA was able to edge Notre Dame by a goal, especially considering he scored the game-winning goal in this one. Alex Rode, he wins the goalie battle. Liam Entman uh, against Rode in this one. And as I said in the live stream, that the goalie that won this battle may end up winning the game. That turns out to be true as often as the case. Rode made nine saves on the day to Entman's seven, and that ends up being a huge factor, especially in the first quarter where Rode came up pretty big early as um, Notre Dame tested him quite often, and he actually played pretty well. Peyton Cormier, yeah, he had an okay game. He's played okay. He's played comb si comb sa so far this season. He ends up going for five goals on the day off just nine shots. He continues his monster season. Among his five goals, he scored the first two goals of the second half that got UVA back into the game, and uh, the second tied things up at seven apiece. So Cormier had a great day. He was good for five goals and a dish in their last game, a win over Robert Morris, and then he had a hat trick in the loss to UNC. So he's just kept pace and has consistently played really well and has consistently been insanely efficient for for Virginia. He scored five or more goals three times this season and has had at least three or more goals in six of nine UVA uh, six of nine of UVA's games this year. Kid's a goal scoring freak. He can do a bit of everything. 27 uh, goals and eight assists so far this season with a 40% shooting percentage. He's the real deal. Uh, uh, he's a big, or actually what I wrote here in my note, and it's funny because I'll read it exactly. Kid is big for real and metaphorically so. Um, so because he is, he's a big, big boy, big boy. Will York, he also had a really good day for Notre Dame. He's the Bucknell transfer. He goes off for five goals in this game, which is kind of his his breakout game for Notre Dame. I honestly expected York 
to factor a little bit more than he had thus far. He was good. He's been putting up a goal here, a goal and assist there. But York is a really good off-ball player, a really capable finisher for Bucknell. And I'm just familiar with him because I'm an upstate guy and I pay attention to Bucknell a little bit more maybe than the average person. But he's he's a big he's a big cat. Five goals off just six shots. A couple of them were man-up goals, I believe, which is a place that I figured he would excel all year. So I expect for you to see him a little bit more. He gels really well with those attack. And when you have a guy like Kavanaugh who can dish like crazy or who has been dishing like crazy, and then a couple of other guys that are really good Dodgers and creators, York should fit in well. And I expect to maybe see him get a little bit more burn and a little bit more play in this offensive scheme here. Another thing that made me happy, Ian Laviano is back. Since being moved to midfield, we've heard a little bit less from Laviano, Laviano, but the spark plug, he got some quality action on Saturday going for three goals. It's his largest output since he had three goals in the Syracuse game. He only had two goals and an assist over UVA's last four games and went scoreless against Robert Morris. So good on Laviano for having a big day against Notre Dame, and it was key, obviously, in making sure that UVA pulled this out. And then Petey fucking LaSala. He handled his business. I didn't see LaSala actually winning this face-off battle. And in yesterday morning's live stream, I talked about how if he could just win 40% of his draws, 40 to 45%, and then maybe put up a goal or an assist in that effort, that would kind of be a win for UVA. He decides, eh, how about I just win the battle at the face-off dot against two of the best face-off men in the country instead. And uh, he won 52% of the draws, 13 of 25 was part of the pyramid of dopeness that allowed UVA to get uh, this win. So hats off to LaSala. The kid just continues to impress. Young kid, uh, but he's not just a face-off man. The kid can win a draw, get up the field, and make stuff happen. So he's just an exciting player. For me to praise LaSala as much as I have tells you how much I really think of the kid because I hate UVA. I want UVA to lose, um, even though I don't. I enjoy watching UVA, even though I'm not supposed to because I'm a Syracuse fan. But, man, you can't. how can you not? love and get behind Petey LaSala. He's a, a spark plug like Ian Laviano without all the jumping and doing spins on piles after goal celebrations. I presume if LaSala was on the field as often as Laviano gets to be after goals that he might be a dude who would like to jump and spin on top of piles as well. Denver. Denver played Providence. So it looks like TD has not missed a beat as he ends up going 14 of 14 for Denver in his debut. Stathakis went 11 of 15, so that's not too shabby, but these dudes split, pretty much split the draws almost evenly, and Denver took it to Providence on the road, 19-11. Jackson Morrill, he played really well for Denver, yet again going for three goals and four assists. Alex Simmons matched Morrill's seven points with five goals and two assists, and Ethan Walker wasn't far behind, four goals and two helpers. Jungle Jack Hanna even, a goal and two dishes. So Denver got points from their big cats, and that scoring went all the way down the roster as 13 guys put up at least one point for Denver in the win. One thing that I want to look at here, as I have you all sitting and paying close attention, is in that Denver game, how many ground balls did where the hell is the Denver score here? Um, how many ground balls did uh, our boy TD Erland put up? Let's see. We're going to view the box score. We're going to go here to Denver stats and let's look up Erland. Oh man, my computer is just not working here. Ireland, Ireland. Okay, here we go. Where is Erland in the box score? Erland in the box score. 
14 of 14 with 10 GBs, which I presume means he won 10 of those clean and then the other four go to the go to the wing guys. But man, that's just crazy. I, I expected him to come out and maybe win 11 of 15. Uh, I thought that was reasonable. Who the hell saw him coming out and winning 14 of 14? That's, uh, that's just absolutely crazy. So good on TD. Good on Denver for still getting both of these guys burned because Stathakis, I believe, has absolutely earned his spot. So I hope to see Denver do what Georgetown is doing. Even though I think Gallagher coming in was the better faceoff guy, They've been splitting time between Gallagher and Leonard. You create some rapport there. Your team gets hype when they both do well like that. And then you have a, a backup plan in case one guy's not doing well, one guy gets the Rona. And I hope that we see Denver do the same thing because, man, Erlen and Stathakis with numbers like that automatically become the number one faceoff duo in the country. And Notre Dame ends up, you know, having the second. And Notre Dame's faceoff duo failed them against Virginia. So far, Denver's hasn't. Albany and Stony Brook. Stony Brook owned this one from the outset. It, it wasn't a route as much as it was a team that jumped out to a lead and then never gave it up. And then to a degree, once the game hit desperation time, those that final five minutes when you're losing by two goals and you got to make stuff happen, that was where Denver got exposed. You'll, or Denver, Albany got exposed. You'll see a team like Albany who doesn't have a defense uh, when you get down to a close game at the end of the game and you got to start extending your defense and doubling and things like that, it's going to fall apart where you're not a good defensive team and that's what showed in this game. Uh, Stony Brook, they beat the Danes in every statistical category except clears. Albany cleared a perfect 16 of 16 compared to Stony Brook's 19 of 23. But And then Stony Brook had 17 turnovers to Albany's 14. You could make the argument Albany won that battle. I'd, I'd say between better, you know, more goalie saves that Stony Brook picked up, a uh, few more possessions here and there. They shot the ball a little bit better. I'd say that what you really saw was Stony Brook had more opportunities to turn the ball over. So I think that one was, I'd call that one a wash in a 16-10 game. Stony Brook took more chances and succeeded more often is all that comes down to. Albany, Nanakoke led them four goals and a helper. Jacob Patterson, four dishes. Logan Tucker, four goals for Logan Tucker. I had assists in my notes, but I'm pretty sure Logan Tucker scored four goals. Stony Brook really spread things out. Corey Vangenhoven, two goals and three helpers. Dylan Palanetti, two goals and two assists. Matt Anderson, one and three. Chris Pickle, two and two. They spread it right out. And that's the kind of production a team like Stony Brook needs to get. They don't have the star power. They don't have a player pimp on their team, but what they do have is a quality roster, quality depth of that roster. They had that three-game losing streak, <clears throat> where I was like, uh-oh, I think they won two games early or one game early, and then they lost three in a row. Uh, Syracuse was the last loss, I think, in that string of losses, and then they've won a couple of games, I think, three games since. So they're back in the win. I think they went, they won two games, lost three games, won three games now, back to back to back. So they're kind of back at the top of that that America East. And what a crazy conference so far the America East has been. I thought that Stony Brook would be up there at the top, but it looks like now it's Vermont is the clear front runner at 4 and 0 and then you got UMBC and Stony Brook right below them with Albany kind of in that hunt. So I mean Albany could turn around and beat Stony Brook the next game hands down. So this don't count Albany out yet. And and then even teams like Binghamton University are 2 and 2. The bottom the, the, the bottom teams are rough. So I forget who it is. New Jersey Tech and uh, Hartford are both really bad. So even Binghamton's going to get four wins probably off of those two games, but America East, something to watch at least, because the team that does win that conference is going to be a danger to some of the Blue Bloods in the tournament. Um, Villanova, Georgetown. I mean, it was crazy. Georgetown beat these guys 16-1 in their first meeting, so this game was barely on my radar. 
we end up seeing a slow burn to victory for Georgetown. Slow-paced, defensive battle, and uh, Nova decided to show up this day and, and make a serious game of it. Georgetown led much of the first half, but Nova tied things up early in the third, and then they took a lead with 6.32 remaining in the third and even extended that lead to 6-4 to four about a minute later. So here Nova loses 16-1 in their first contest. They are up at one point in this game, 6-4. Uh, but then things kind of swung back Georgetown's way. They score a goal late in the third to get within one, and then they tied it up early in the fourth. Graham Bundy Jr. gave Georgetown the lead. Telios Crudis of YouTube fame tied things back up a little over a minute later for Villanova, and then Jack Leary scored the game winner for Georgetown with just outside of a minute left. I think it was like a minute 16 or so left in that one. The game was almost as boring to watch as it was for you to hear me say all of that just now. Um, yeah, no, I kid, I kid, uh, I didn't actually get to see it. So I presume that, it, you know, usually I'm actually a fan of the way Georgetown plays and I love watching their defense play, uh, stats that stuck out to me in this one, Villanova, 16 turnovers to Georgetown's nine. So that defense for the Hoyas is still playing well. Villanova held Georgetown to 0 and five on man up opportunities. So that certainly factored. And then Villanova's keeper, Will Vitone, 15 saves versus McElroy's 11 saves. Both goalies played well. Vitone played a little bit better just by design and out of necessity. He was tested a little bit more. Georgetown put more shots on cage. By design, he's got to make those saves or else those are goals. So he was up to the challenge. He kept Villanova in the game. I'm I'm talking a lot more about Villanova in this case just because that's a huge turnaround. 16-1, ass whooping, and then you come back and you play a really tough game against a very good Georgetown team. Seemed Caraway was a scratch, though. I did not see – I saw someone say, hey, did Caraway not play? He wasn't in the box score. So I don't know what happened. I presume he was injured. Maybe he had the Rona. Uh, he didn't play, it looks like. But TJ Haley, a goal and three helpers. Graham Bundy Jr., two goals. Colin Monroe, two goals. Um, Pekovic, I think, had a goal and an assist. He's a transfer from Colgate, a, re- a really good player. They all combined to kind of try to make up for Caraway's, um, Caraway not playing as much as they could. Uh, kind of an offense by committee, uh, so to speak, here. So Georgetown gets the win, though. Win is a win. Doesn't matter how you do it. You win. That's good. Army and Holy Cross. Brendan Nickturn, he continued his dominance with a one-goal, five-assist output in Army's win over Holy Cross. Nickturn has 31 points of 14 goals and 17 helpers over Army's five games. That is 6.2 points per game for anyone that's not good good at math. I used Windows Calculator to come up with that number. Right now, Nick Turn gets my fifth spot. I, I put a post up in the college lacrosse group discussion or whatever it's called on Facebook, one of the best places. I mean, there's 10,000 plus people that love college lacrosse on Facebook, and uh, it's just constantly going back and forth. There's chirping. There's kindness. There's sometimes anger. They immediately ban political posts and users that put them up. It's a pretty good and very well-maintained lacrosse forum and group on Facebook. Anyway, I digress. Uh, we I put up a question. Who's the who's going to get the, the fourth and fifth uh, uh, Twarton finalist spots? You have the watch list, which is like 20 players or so. And then at the end of the year, towards the end of the year, they come up with the finalists. These are the five guys going into the tournament that are the the finalists that will end up getting voted for. It's kind of like how the Twarton works. And I, you know, right now you got Sowers, Gray, 
after the Syracuse win with Sowers scoring the game winner and going for six points, now I'm putting it back to Sowers as number one, Gray as number two. Uh, but that could change when Duke and North Carolina meet this week. If Gray can pick up the win, then from a committee and how, the way the voters kind of look at things and the way the media looks at things, maybe Gray can jump back out. But moral of the story, I was trying to figure out who are those fourth and fifth spots? Who are the We have Sowers, Gray, and Bernhardt, which are no-brainers for finalists, I believe. Bernhardt for Maryland. But who's the the fourth and fifth? And I've been talking about kind of uh, Seth Tierney. He's been putting up so many points for Hofstra. You'd almost think he's kind of the media darling that just gets the 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 one of the finalist spots just because you got to throw it to somebody in the lower levels. Uh, but then on top of it, who's going to get that fifth? And I think right now you're looking at maybe a Stephen Rafis from Syracuse, depending on how he finishes up, or a Brendan Nickturn from Army. I think Nickturn might be edging Rafis a little bit at this point, simply because 6.2 points per game is crazy, and he had four goals and three assists in Army's win over Syracuse. And, and Nickturn doesn't just do it against conference foes. He also had two goals and three helpers in their loss to UVA. So it doesn't matter who they play. This kid will put up big numbers. He's a big-time player. And right now, Army needs that big-time player here. Let me get a drink. Next one we're going to talk about, because it surprised me a little bit, was uh, Robert Morris and Drexel. Drexel put it on Robert Morris a little bit, 1913. And uh, this one stuck out at me because I assumed Bobby Moe would win this game. But now that I've gotten a chance to kind of look a little bit closer at Drexel's schedule, at their resume, they beat Towson early in their first game of the year, who beat Loyola. So there's, you know, not a quality win necessarily, but that's a good win for them. And then they lost to a very good Delaware and to UMass before waxing Lafayette and now beating Bobby Moe. So maybe Drexel is someone, the Dragons are someone that we should pay attention to. They have a rematch with UMass next. So they have a chance to exact some revenge on UMass for that loss. I think they lost by like six goals or so. Ryan uh, Genord or Genord, four and two. Sean Donnelly, five and one for Drexel. And then uh, Jimma. Koita won 23 of 34 draws for Drexel, which was a huge factor in that spread, you know, kind of being a little bit more lopsided than we thought. Quick hit. Sean Goldsmith is back for Mercer. He played in their last game. I think he was like 3-1 and one or some crap like that, but 6-1, and one, that's what we want to see out of Sean Goldsmith. He goes 6-1 and one in their win over Utah, so hopefully he gets to finish the season playing like an animal uh, with his glasses and all that crap. Is he still wearing the glasses? I actually didn't see any highlights for that game yet. And because we were kind of low on D1 action to talk about, or at least D1 action that I wanted to talk about, let's get into some D2 crap here. So we got some D2 bonus action. Ross Dickerson, a face-off beast for Tampa. He went 14 of 14 from the dot for Tampa in their 29-3 win over Palm Beach. Brian Wright, 5-2 for Tampa. Ben French, Vermont transfer. He left Vermont last year to go to Tampa for his graduate year. 4-2. and two. What I hear, if you're a D1 guy and you want to take that, that fifth year to play, I hear Tampa's a really nice place to do it. I hear they got a pool with scantily clad females everywhere that they take all of these recruits to to check out first. Um, I kind of kid, but I did really hear that that is actually the case. The pool is one of the first places they go, and apparently it's a big draw for hormonal 18- to 22-year-old men. Um so that's a big deal. Big deal. Ross Dickerson is continuing to tear it up for Tampa. He tore it up last year as well at the faceoff dot for them. Ben French is a big pickup for them. I mean, Brian Wright, 5-2, and two, but Ben French, you know, you end up with one of Vermont's best offensive players now running around on the field in D2, uh, so don't front on that D2 action. They've got some legitimate ballers down there that have proven that they could easily make the step right up to D1 and contribute right away. <clears throat> 
Kyle Harnick, keeper for Queens. He made 13 saves in their 12-8 win over Tusculum. I don't know how to pronounce that. I hope I got that right. I'm not even going to try it again. Um, so, yeah, 13 saves, big deal versus eight goals against. Talent was good for – or Quinn talent was good for four goals and two assists in that win for Queens. And then we got Lemoyne. We get a section four mention here in this Lemoyne game. Lemoyne had a trio of hat tricks out of Matt Hutchings, Jake Nelson of Vestal, New York fame. That is the town I live in. And Ross Filch uh, in their 14-11 win over Pace. Sam Curry won 14-24 draws for Lemoyne. And like I said, Nelson, section four kid from Vestal. Always makes me happy seeing section four kids doing well at the next level. And he's kind of been everywhere. I, I didn't know that he went to Mercer. I did know he was at Syracuse. So he transferred in from Mercer slash Syracuse. Kids bet everywhere, but a great pickup for LeMoyne, and he did big things for them this weekend in that win. And then we get Mercyhurst. They enjoyed an 18-12 win over Westminster. And Caleb Kuber, he went for five goals and four assists on the day off just 10 shots. Not bad. Nine-point nine day in an 18-12 win is a hell, hell of a day for you. D3 action. We're going to dive a little bit now into the D3 action before we get into the D1 games that we're going to see today and do a little bit of predicting so people can talk trash to me because I suck so bad. Illinois Wesleyan 21, Southern Virginia 18. I bring this one up because we end up with another crazy face-off stat. Max Bouski or Bowski 25 of 29 from the face-off dot with 14 ground balls in the win for Illinois Wesleyan. Zach Taylor, he was 11 of 13 with two goals and 11 ground balls in that win. So that kind of two-headed monster that Illinois Wesleyan played of Booski and Taylor, they go, I'm, I'm not going to do the math to, to add them up, but they both trashed on Southern Virginia. Crazy that Southern Virginia was still in this game, though, despite that face-off disparity. In the end, I woo. Had 15 guys with at least one point. Uh, just do, do you guys go by that? I woo. Uh, if, if you don't, you should. I woo is pretty dope. Uh, three guys with four points, two guys with three. So they spread it out. Charles Hildstead, Hiddlestead, four goals. Hell of a job in that win. But man, that's just a crazy face-off stat line. 25 of 29 out of one guy, 11 of 13, and two goals out of another. And that guy that won the 11, he ends up having 11 ground balls. Just, you know, bonkers. Bonkers stat line. So now... Let us get back to the schedule here, and we are going to go in and look at what we got today. All right, big game today. Probably one of the biggest games of the weekend outside of the Virginia and the Notre Dame game that has already happened is Rutgers and Maryland. It's actually Maryland at Rutgers this time. Rematch from earlier in the year. Rutgers hung with Maryland. They hung with them every step of the way. Uh, well, every step of the way. They hung with them through three quarters, and then there was just that one-quarter explosion that separated them. That seems to be a thing in the Big Ten. Teams are playing neck-and-neck neck for three quarters, and there's been one quarter in every game where the team that won went off, and that ends up being the margin. So that is going to be a huge, huge game today. What do we expect to see? Right now, Logan Wisnowskis and Jared Bernhardt are tied at the top as leading scorers for Maryland. Wisnowskis is 14 and 15 with 29 points. Bernhardt is 19 and 10 with 29 points. And then Daniel Maltz is right behind them. 20 of uh, 20 and 24. Or bleh, bleh, 20 goals, four helpers for 24 points. And then you got Kyle Long. I mean, Maryland can score for days, but uh, the Rutgers side, it's Adam Charlambides. He's 19 and 9, and Kieran Mullins, 13 and 14, and Connor Kirst, 14 of 8. The story in this game, again, going to be the goalies. Who's it going to be? Logan McNaney. Is he going to win the goalie battle for Maryland, or will Connor Kirst 
win the goalie battle for Rutgers. And in a game like this, that goalie battle is going to be hugely important. And then we have the guys at the faceoff dot as well. Maryland, Justin Shockey has taken the bulk of the draws and he's hanging out right about 40, 48%. And Jonathan Dugenio has taken the bulk of the draws for Rutgers. He's about 43%. And then there's this Mariah Yusefi, Yusefi. I think I got that right. He's also taking a bunch of draws. So they're kind of equal at that faceoff dot. So watch who wins the possession battle in terms of the number of possessions, whose goalie makes more saves. And then beyond that, both teams can fill it up. I like Maryland in this one, obviously. I think they're the, the clear favorite, but don't front on Rutgers. They could absolutely pull an upset here and win this game. I don't know why I say things slow. It's actually, I end up drawing things out and things, saying things slow like that to give me a chance to get back to the calendar. Uh, I don't know why I used the screen for that. I should just use my little mouse thing. We also have Colgate-Lehigh today. That should actually be a pretty good game. Another big one, just because it's a Big Ten matchup uh, and two big teams, is Johns Hopkins at Penn State. And I actually like Hopkins in this one. I don't know why, but I think that Hopkins has cleaned some stuff up here. Yes, they got the L against Rutgers, but they picked up the win against Penn State last time, 13-6. So I think that they're going to probably pull this off again. And I'm hoping that we see kind of Hopkins return to their former glory. And this is maybe this will be the year that they can kind of overachieve with an odd roster without healthy star power, it seems. I'm still not convinced that Joey Epstein is fully healthy. If Joey Epstein is fully healthy, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe he's not a Tewarton finalist like I thought. I was honestly thinking that Joey Epstein may come out and have a Tewarton finalist-worthy season this year, and I think I was wrong on that. I still believe in him. still think that by his senior year, he's going to be a Tewarton finalist again, but uh, I just want to see that kid return back to form. So that's it, guys. Short show. I don't know if it was a short show. I always say short show today, but uh, in the end, it just wasn't a whole lot of crazy games and things to talk about. Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything here from yesterday. Who else do we want to talk about? We'll go, oh, LIU. LIU beats up on Wagner. I've been paying close attention to them here, and let's see what they had because my boy here, who is it? Um, uh, Will Snelders. I think he's the big boy that I like, that I enjoy watching here. We're actually going to put the, the Will Snelders video out tomorrow. It's just a quick little kind of film review video, watching him run from the left wing all the way down around and then getting back in, kind of just the dodging as a big boy kind of uh, a video to just show you that this is how you do it when you've got size and you just want to use that size and your muscle to get into the middle of the field and get a shot off. But LIU has continued to impress. They're sitting at 5-1 and one right now. So in terms of their conference, let's take a look. Do they have a conference? Are they a team without a conference? They do. They play in the NEC, apparently. Right now, they're 5-0 and oh in the NEC. Bryant right behind them at 3-0 and oh in the NEC. They've just played less games. St. Joseph's is still 3-0 and oh in the NEC. So we have three teams that are all undefeated at the top of the NEC, and now they're all going to have to start playing each other. So that'll be interesting. Hobart's 2-1. and one. Uh, there, their game got postponed yesterday, which stunk. Let me see who else. Detroit Mercy beat Siena, eleven to nine. Blah, blah blah. Air Force beat Bellarmine. I don't know how I didn't talk about this one. Somehow I forgot to write this one up, and I actually wanted to talk about it. Holy crap! Well, we're gonna talk about it now. Towson beats Loyola in overtime. Crazy game here. We got Joey Kamish for Loyola going for two goals. They, Towson played really good defense. They kept all of Loyola's usual suspects at bay. Aiden Olmstead only had two goals in the game. Uh, um, that's crazy. That's crazy, actually. And what's-his-nuts didn't even factor. 
Tim Montgomery goes for three goals for Towson. And let's see who scored the game-winning goal. Da -da 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 -da. Three goals over Towson and just three goals. I don't know. We're going to have to try to look at this here. It's the end of the show anyway. If, if anyone made it here, you probably want me to at least talk about it real quick. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Who scored the game winner? Montgomery scored the game winner for Towson. He had three goals, and uh, that's a big deal. Towson beating. I mean, I'm just happy to see Towson kind of coming back and winning. They're, they're only three and five, but that is a huge win. Loyola has struggled. Loyola's biggest problem is they do not look good offensively. Defensively, they played well. They're solid in cage. They're they're capable at the faceoff dot offensively is where they have really struggled and they're just not finding a good mix of guys that can create offense and then score the rock on top of it. So Loyola has struggled and apparently those struggles are going to continue for them. Can't believe I forgot to talk about that one. It was supposed to be the second game that I talked about and I just forgot to write it up in my notes. So I'm glad I got in there and talked about that. So that's it. Uh, come back tomorrow. Another film review. Like I said, we're going to talk about that big boy uh, number 10 from LIU. Just show one of his, his dodges to the rack. It's just a quick two-and-a-half-minute video. And then, as always, Wednesday, we're going to talk about any of the games that happened today. Probably Wednesday will be the day that we talk about Maryland and the games that happened today. We'll preview some games for the weekend then. And then, as always, Saturday morning, 10 a.m., live stream talking about the day's games or any of the other weekly games, weekday games. And then Sunday, today, as always, we're watching this. So thank you. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Go to laxfactor.com get swag support the channel that way really though all i ask like subscribe share and then if you're an audio listener um, or if you're not an audio listener we're going to start putting out some more shows audio only it's probably looking like we'll do a tuesday show recapping possibly the games from sunday that we don't talk about uh in the morning show today so it's looking like it'll be a Monday or Tuesday release for that for people who do listen to the audio. And if you don't, it's just a good way for you to get some additional content. You can listen to my beautiful voice and my dry mouth uh, ramble about lacrosse without having to see this ugly mug that I got rolling here. So again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. Mm -hmm.